Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com is going to join us for our monthly segment. He's going to share some insight on a man he knew well, ProTrade investor and former San Francisco 49ers head coach, the late Bill Walsh. Ma will also help you prepare for your fantasy football draft by giving us his sleepers as well as players that you should avoid. In segment four, SportsSense, San Diego Chargers executive vice president and general manager A.J. Smith, the winner of the 2006 GM of the Year Award, is going to join me to discuss a busy offseason for the Chargers. In a controversial move, the team fired Marty Schottenheimer and hired Norv Turner as its head coach. Smith is also the man who traded Eli Manning for quarterback Phillip Rivers and Pro Bowl linebacker Sean Merriman, amongst others. He's drafted a pro bowler every year he's been at the helm of the NFL draft for the Chargers, and he has a keen eye for talent. Can the Chargers and NFL MVP LaDainian Tomlinson take the next step forward and reach the Super Bowl this year after winning 14 games last year? We'll discuss these topics as well as the overall business of the NFL with one of the brightest minds in all of the NFL, Chargers GM A.J. Smith in segment four couple of other notes, visit our new and improved website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to SBR On Demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. You know, I'm really looking forward to catching up with A.J. Smith. He's a guy that I've wanted to talk to for quite some time now. I really think he's one of the best GMs in the game. You probably put him in a class with Scott Pioli of New England, Bill Polian, who just got a Super Bowl victory with the Indianapolis Colts. And He's got 11 Pro Bowl players on his roster, so this guy knows how to stockpile talent. We're also going to talk more legal woes for Tim Donaghy and Michael Vick this week. We'll break that down in our headline segment next. And Bobby Corser, Madden Holiday. John Madden, NFL 2008, hits the shelves this week. It's the highest-selling video game of all time. I bet you were out there uh, waiting in line. Yeah, I wish I was. Uh, um, you don't pay me enough money to afford it. Ah, but you'll be out there. You know what? We'll have EA Sports or someone uh, send us the game, and if they don't send it to us, Bobby, I'll, I'll go out and get it for you. But lots of headlines coming up next, including Tiger Woods got some new business dealings. He wins the PGA Championship and then makes a big business deal this week. Headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, former NBA referee Tim Donaghy pleaded guilty to two felony charges Wednesday in an NBA betting scandal that rocked the league and raised questions about the integrity of games. Donaghy faces a maximum of 25 years in prison when he is sentenced for conspiracy to engage in wire fraud and transmitting wagering information through interstate commerce. Donaghy provided recommendations called picks to co-conspirators about what team they should bet on. If he was correct, they paid him a reported $5,000 a pop. The picks included information about games that Donaghy officiated and also uh, things like what officials would be refereeing a game, which is supposed to be confidential information, injury reports, things of that nature. Uh, Bobby, you know, again, as long as this doesn't expand and this is just isolated to Tim Donaghy, I think the NBA is going to be okay. Obviously, they're going to have to do some things with their security to ensure that this doesn't happen with another official down the road. But so far, it looks like this is an isolated incident. And I hope it stays isolated because if it does, it truly means that they were able to grab it before it took hold. We don't know if there's any other arrests involved. It doesn't look like it, but you never know. But maybe if this, you know, if just Donahue being squeezed to the tilt and he, you know, kind of coughs up everything, maybe they'll be able to stop it before it really blows up. Well, and I can tell you this, officials in Arizona are not happy. You know, there's uh, word out there that two of the games that Donaghy may have fixed or been involved with uh, influencing were Phoenix Suns games. One may have been Game 3 of the San Antonio series in the playoffs, and there are people there in Phoenix saying that uh, they may try and press charges and, and get Donaghy into deeper penalties, so we'll keep our eyes on that. Our next headline also involves legal problems. Michael Vick and his attorneys are still negotiating with federal prosecutors hoping to strike a deal that minimizes the prison time that Vic will serve. The Atlanta Falcons star quarterback pleaded not guilty to dogfighting conspiracy charges last month, but since then, three of his co-defendants have changed their pleas to guilty and agreed to testify against Vic. Vic now has seven people who can place him at the scene of the crime. Now, Bobby, Vic is realistically looking at anywhere from 8 to 18 months in prison, and then he'll probably get a year-long suspension once he gets out of prison from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. And the key thing to remember here is this. If Vic makes a plea agreement, he is admitting that he was guilty. And back in April, when Vic was at the NFL draft to do a salute to the Virginia Tech uh, people, because of the shooting that was taking place. Basically, Vic lied to Roger Goodell. I think Roger Goodell is going to remember that, and he's going to come down hard on Vic when the time comes. But Goodell is not going to tip his hand before he sees what type of punishment Vic is going to get from the feds. I might be going out out on a limb here, but I think we've seen the last of Michael Vick as a professional quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who have said that. I mean, let's do the math here. If Michael Vick serves prison time, then he is suspended for a year. You're looking at 
31 or 32 years of age for Michael Vick. He could come back, but he would be quite a risk at that point. Our next headline, Madden NFL 2008 hit the shelves this past Tuesday. Last year's game sold 7.4 million copies. Since 1989, the video game has sold 58 million copies, which equates to about $2 billion, making it the highest-selling video game of all time. It's not just a video game anymore, Bobby, either. This is like a full-blown event. It's called Madden Holiday. People are invited to play hooky from work and go stand in line. Uh, We saw... Uh, past players like uh, oh, Tiki Barber and, and others at Times Square handing out copies. This is a big, big deal. And uh, Pepsi got involved this year with their most extensive effort to date. Uh, they have something called Call Your Play. It's an online contest. Called, it's at callyourplay.com. Check that out if you get a chance. Our next headline, it's a big week for Tiger Woods. First, he wins his 13th major and his second straight PGA Championship. Then he announced his plans for his first U.S. course design project. It's a North Carolina course tagged the Cliffs at High Carolina. Now, Woods is already working on a course design project in Dubois, but this is his first one in the United States. And Woods indicated he's going to have a home on the course. Homes on the course are going to cost about $700,000 to $5 million. He also has indicated that in a perfect world, he'd like to see the course be a walk-only course. Now, one of the things he said is one of the reasons why I'm moving toward this is I want to do something different, something that's challenging that I've always wanted to do. I figure I've done enough commercials and stuff like that. So maybe we're going to see Tiger take less time on commercials and more time on course design in the future. Our final headline of the week, Seattle Supersonics investor Aubrey McClendon. He stuck his foot in his mouth this week, but he let the cat out of the bag. He basically says that since the day that Clay Bennett and the other investors of the Seattle Sonics bought the Sonics from Howard Schultz, the Starbucks magnet, they had the complete intention of moving the team to Oklahoma City. That's what I've been telling you for the last year. I think it's going to happen. Read my blog. I've got all the details on relocation fees and how that's going to shake out. Coming up next, Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big... Sports Business Radio, Saturday, (laughs) or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Experts say buy what you know, and you know sports, right? But is it a good buy? For an insider's look at sports on Wall Street, Sports Business Radio presents Stock Up, Stock Down. 
My guest is Jeff Ma. He's the vice president of research for ProTrade.com. ProTrade.com is a cutting-edge, fan-powered sports media community where sports fans invest in athletes and teams. They make predictions and share their thoughts with other fans around the sports world. Jeff is going to be joining me once a month as part of our new partnership with ProTrade.com. You can read his blog by going online to ProTrade.com and becoming a member of the ProTrade.com community. Jeff, thanks for joining me this month. Uh, no problem. Good, good to be here. So, Jeff, since the last time you and I spoke, uh, Bill Walsh, legendary San Francisco 49ers head coach, passed away. Walsh was a pro-trade investor. You had a chance to spend some time with him. Share your thoughts on Bill Walsh, if you would. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bill was, you know, it was obviously a very sad day for us here and for, for everyone and for everyone connected to football uh, when Coach Walsh passed away. Um, we had the you know, unique opportunity to basically work with him and what what we did is we initially presented to him um, some ideas that we had about ways that we wanted to sort of look at football statistically, and what it, what the discussion became was sort of about how how do we take what's in Bill Walsh's brain and translate it into a way that everyone else can look at via the numbers, because Bill obviously was able to look at people's performance and didn't need statistics to back up what he was thinking. He just knew intuitively that Jerry Rice would be a great player, that Joe Montana would be a great player. But what we were trying to do was was come up with a way to kind of mimic what he was thinking. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of the things that we developed, we ran by him for sanity checks. And the thing that was amazing about Coach Walsh was every time you sat with him, it was clear that you were around a genius. But yet he never made you feel like he thought he was smarter than you were. So he had the ability to, to basically seem like he was learning from me and to seem legitimately interested in what I was telling him while it was clear that he was on a whole other level than I was. Yeah, I think the stat is he selected something like 17 pro bowlers during the decade of the 80s. I mean, when I think of Bill Walsh, obviously a great strategical mind as a coach, but you talk about a guy who could identify talent. There was no one better. Yeah. I mean, the the, the track record that he had, and, and I think that that's one thing that he, even when you kind of looked at what people were saying about Coach Walsh after the fact. They, they were talking a lot about you know the West Coast offense and the strategies that he developed, but his ability to consistently find these unbelievable talents. I mean, he found Jerry Rice. I mean, of all, of all stories that you hear, Jerry Rice from Mississippi Valley State, a, you know, a, a mid-first-round pick and ending up to probably the greatest wide receiver ever to play the game. And the ability to, to continue, consistently do that and to find – Joe Montana, when people didn't think he was, you know, big enough or strong enough to play in, in the league, and, and and you know, arguably since until Tom Brady has come along, has been the most clutch, you know, quarterback around. So it's it's really a testament to Coach Walsh what he's been able to do, and, and you know, like I said, we will miss him a lot at Pro Trade, and I think that everyone in, in sort of the sports and football world will definitely miss him. Jeff, the NFL season is quickly approaching. Fans everywhere, they're starting to do their their fantasy football drafts. I want to ask you a few guys who you think will be sleepers, and then we'll also talk about some people that maybe we should stay away from. Uh, let's start with the sleepers. Give me a few guys who you think will be uh, under the radar uh, this year. Uh, you know, I think some guys that might be interesting to look at are a guy like Braylon Edwards, who is going to be now one more year removed from uh, from the knee surgery and really last year came on to be a top 30 wide receiver. If, if he gets any help at quarterback, he could be an elite wide receiver. Um, a guy like Lendell White is in a good situation potentially in Tennessee. He clearly has the talent. If he gets his attitude in check, he could be a guy that really could uh, help out a fantasy team. Edgerin James, um, 
coming off a very disappointing year, but a good end to the year. We'll be in an offense where they're much more committed to running the ball than they were last year, and uh, he still has talent and supposedly is in the best shape of his life. And then another deep sleeper is a guy uh, that'll be playing up in Buffalo, J.P. Lossman. I mean, I think that he's not a guy that's going to get a lot of looks at quarterback, uh, you know, as a top 12 to 15 quarterback, but um, he's a guy that you know he he's going to be out there. He had some great games last year. He has a a great weapon in Lee Evans and uh, could really put together a solid year for you and and he's a guy that you can get basically at the end of your draft so if you want to blow off the position of quarterback he's not a bad guy to turn to chef two guys i'm interested in getting your take on number one brady quinn uh and then the other is adrian peterson uh, in minnesota give me your take on those guys yeah it's funny because i i have down here as an, another potential sleeper is uh, chester taylor obviously because he had such a he had such a solid year last year and then they're bringing in peterson now the question—I mean, the questions with Peterson are—he's a rookie, and you know he's kind of a big upright runner. So will he be able to withstand the wear and tear of the NFL? He, he got a fair amount of carries in the first game, preseason game. I'm not even sure what that means. It's hard to know what preseason means. Um, but I mean, he clearly has the talent, and they made a commitment by drafting him so early that I think he will get in there um, and will have a chance to show what he's worth in terms of Brady Quinn. Uh, it's his it's his uh, job to lose in some respects. I mean, I think they'll go slow with him, but they didn't draft him to sit on the bench. And if you've looked at the last five or six years of Cleveland quarterbacks, it's been littered with the Kelly Holcombs and uh, Tim Couches of the world. So they are really looking for a, a quarterback to lead them uh, into the next decade. And I, I think that Brady Quinn uh, will be that guy. I just think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to the NFL. Who are some guys in the NFL that are overrated and that uh, people should avoid in their fantasy football drafts? Well, I, I'm a little concerned about um, a little concerned about Larry Johnson, obviously, not just because of the holdout and, and, and that kind of thing, but because that offensive line is just getting older. And also, uh, you know, it's a situation where he had a lot of carries last year. So I think that that's uh, potentially a concern. Um, people are very high on Carson Palmer, and I, I, I think Carson's a great talent. But the reality is there's three quarterbacks that are about equal with him. That's Carson, Tom Brady with all his new toys. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, th- those guys are really are really going to be – there's no reason that they shouldn't be, you know, as good as Carson is. And so it's hard to look at him as the elite quarterback right behind Peyton that, that he has been in the past. My guest is Jeff Ma. He's the vice president of research for ProTrade.com. Jeff, let's talk about uh, Major League Baseball. The playoff races are heating up. Which teams and players do you think are going to rise above the crowd uh, for the remainder of the season? Um, you know, I, I think that some interesting, the interesting races to kind of watch, I mean, I think that the Yankees getting back into this thing with the Red Sox is going to be interesting, but I think that the Red Sox will pull away. I mean, I think that at the end of the day they're pitching – is far superior to the Yankees pitching, and I think that that will be what, you know, I think getting Gagne, even though he has struggled since he's been there, will make them um, the team to beat in the East and in the AL for sure. Uh, I think in terms of the NL, it'll be very interesting to watch um, the uh, the Diamondbacks in that West, how that plays out. I like what the Diamondbacks have done. I unfortunately think that their pitching may not be enough to get them there, but they have a young lineup that hasn't played particularly well this year, but yet they are in first, and it, 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 we'll see how that plays out. I think an interesting thing also will be to watch the Phillies, certainly once Chase Utley gets back. I mean, how many people are going to be able to add in September uh, You know, an elite infielder, arguably one of the best middle infielders in the league? 
Yeah, I'm kind of a D-backs fan myself, so I'm a little disappointed that uh, Randy Johnson's not there because I think they could have really used his leadership and obviously his innings down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you had looked at this situation where they had, you know, they they were the only team in the league that went into this year with four guys that started on opening day for teams last year. And, you know, now they have Levon and Doug Davis and, and Brandon and, and having – uh, Randy would have been sort of the most important piece to all of that to really be able to push some of those guys back. Now, when you when you make Doug Davis have to be a number two or three starter and leave on a number three or four, you get into a little bit more of a trouble than you would have if you had had, say, leave on right at the end of the rotation and Doug Davis right behind him. So I think Brandon is about to go on a big run as he is. I mean, he's in the middle of a, of a great run, and I think he will be a guy that, that will have a great, great, great stretch run um, if they can get enough pitching from the rest of those guys and then get some timely hitting from some of their youngsters. I mean, how exciting is it that Justin Upton's up already? Oh, yeah. And being He's on my him. team. What's that? I picked him up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that was exciting for us because, you know, we actually obviously have ties to the Diamondbacks, and we, we knew he was coming up for, for a while, so we kind of all rushed out in whatever fantasy leagues we were in to go pick him up. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you this. You've got a few different contests going on, ProTrade.com. One of the great things about your community is you've always got some really cool contests. Let me ask you about the first one. It's completed, but a few weeks ago you went up to Canada and you were involved in a contest uh, with one of your winners and Steve Nash. Uh, Tell us about that, if you would. Yeah, that was a very, very unique opportunity. Uh, Darren Geister, he goes by the name DM Geist on our website, uh, was a, a guy that basically, by using his pro trade currency, in other words, he uh, was built portfolios of athletes and they appreciated, and he made a lot of profit, and he used those profits to purchase a prize on pro trade, and that prize was to take a trip to Vancouver with his wife to um, Steve Nash's charity event in Vancouver. It's a weekend long event um, where Steve brings in, you know, some of his, you know, favorite players and. Better players to have a charity game. Guys up there are Drew Gooden, Ray Felton, Samuel D'Alembert. Uh, it was a real fun game. But actually, the the best part of it was Darren got to play Steve Nash at, in horse during the game wow. in front of everyone, and he actually beat Steve by dr- draining a bunch of threes. Wow! So it was very exciting, and, and Steve is, was always, as always, was a gracious host. It's an unbelievable event to be a part of, just because. Steve makes himself so accessible to everybody there. It's a very intimate setting, and, you know, I was just excited to be a part of it. I had I have a great story from there where I, I got into a, a car uh, on the way to a, an event on Friday night, which was a sort of in, intimate uh, event for some of the big sponsors. Got into the car to get a ride over there from the hotel with uh, another couple, and um, the the man was a little bit older, probably about 10 to 15 years older than me, gets into the car and is, you know, he's sitting scrunched up in the back because he's a little shorter than I. I decided to sit shotgun. He had to sit in the middle. And I started talking to him and I asked him, so, uh, you know, do you, uh, do you do business with Steve? And he said, yeah, actually, uh, you could say that. I own the basketball team he plays for. <laughs> so uh, that's one of those times where you, you know, wish you'd done a little bit of your homework before you got there. Was it Robert Sarver? Yes, it was Robert Sarver. Oh, uh, that's funny. He's been on this show several times. He's a great guy. Yeah, Steve no, great Nash, guy. class act. Listen, we've got about a minute left. I know you've got a really cool contest going on right now called Who's Not Now, and it's kind of a takeoff of ESPN's Who's Now. Tell us about that. Tell us how people can uh, get involved in your community and vote on that. Yeah, so basically one of the goals at ProTrade is to create – 
a fan-powered sports media network. And, you know, the, the worldwide leader for all we love them shoved this who's now thing down our throat right. and subjected us to watching uh, Keyshawn Johnson and, you know, whomever argue about whose man crush Jessica is bigger. Jessica Biel was on there, so I got to give him props for that, though. What's that? Jessica Biel was on there, though. So well, I Aaron gotta... Andrews was on there also, so they, they definitely did their homework in terms of how to make the thing better. Right. But what we decided to do was have a little bit of fun with it, and we're running a contest on Pro Trade Daily called Who's Not Now. We took the top 32 who we consider to be most controversial sports figures, seated them from 1 to 32, uh, put them into a bracket-style thing just like Who's Now in a Cosell division, a Summerall division, a Namath division, and a Meredith division, and uh, seated them 1 to 8, and they're playing it out bracket-style. Now, the thing is, users on ProTrade can come in and vote for who they think is the most not now, i.e., the person who probably annoys them the most. So, so far, we've had seven showdown days, and Joe Morgan beat Mike as a 1C, beat Michael Wilbon in the first day, John Madden beat John Cruck, and then Colin Coward defeated Sean Salisbury in what we consider to be an update, up, upset of a six-seed over a three-seed. Tim Carver beat Lee Corso, and then in the Summerall division, which Joe Buck was the uh, number one seed, he defeated Tony Kornheiser, then Jim Gray has defeated Al Michaels, and JT the Brick defeated Stuart Scott in another upset of a six over a three-seed. So go on to ProTrade.com, vote on this. Just for the record, uh, my votes would be cast towards uh, Tim McCarver and Stephen A. Smith. Uh, that's who I'm voting for. Yeah, well, those guys are going strong. They could be headed for a showdown in, like, the Sweet 16, I think. Well, Jeff, it's always great to catch up with you. You can read Jeff's column regularly at ProTrade.com. Uh, we'll talk to you next month. All right. Thanks, You're, Brian. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is A.J. Smith. He's the executive vice president and general manager for the San Diego Chargers. He was named the NFL's top GM for 2006 by Forbes magazine. He's overseen a renaissance in San Diego as the Chargers have won the AFC West two of the last three years, and they won a franchise record 14 games last season. A.J., thanks for joining me. Brian, good to be with you. 
So since you took the reins of the Chargers back in 2003, you've established yourself as one of the best talent evaluators in all of the NFL. During your tenure, you selected at least one player per year via the NFL draft who turned into a Pro Bowl player. We've seen teams like the Oakland A's, Boston Red Sox, Portland Trailblazers develop proprietary formulas that help them identify the best players for their systems. When you're building an NFL roster, what are the general tools or formulas that you try and utilize? Well, Brian, first of all, we do believe that it's all about the players. The the players are the most important part of the operation because they're the ones that make it happen. And, And you have to go out there and get them and what I've been saying is by any means, and by any means is what in, within your industry can you do that? Well, as the college draft, what everyone's familiar with, and you have unrestricted free agency, you have the Arena League, you have CFL, uh, supplemental draft, which is not explored very, very much. Trades take place, but whatever vehicle that you want to explore to get football players, you get them in here. I, I think we have an outstanding staff of people that can evaluate players here, and so we identify the players. And then we try to bring them in as quickly as we can, Brian. On top of that, if you're successful and you like the players that you do have, uh, my philosophy is not so much to go out into the open market and get four or five or six guys from other teams, but let's go from within our own organization with players and identify them early and try to do some contracts so we can keep the window of opportunity more open than just three or four years or the length of their contract. We've been very successful with that. We've got like 30 contracts where guys are pushed way out in 09, beyond that to 11, 12. So we're very, very excited about it. And uh, as we know, we, we are very proud of how far we've come, Brian. We, you know, wasn't very long ago, years back, that we were the worst team in the National Football League. And now we take great pride in having people recognize that we have talent. But we really haven't done anything yet in postseason. So that's our next goal. You know, AJ, you bring up a great point. You talk about continuity. So many times I hear general managers or architects of teams talk about windows of opportunity, championship windows of opportunity. What you've done essentially is given yourself at least the next three years by locking these players up to capitalize on that window of opportunity. Talk about continuity a minute, if you would. Well, Brian, that's very, very true. And all of that is only good if the players that you've gathered are the right players. And we believe you know, that they are here. But you're given a window of opportunity, and anything can go wrong. Injury can take place. You know, uh, fumbles and missed field goals and all of these things. Uh, maybe a contract isn't agreed upon with a really fine player that you like, and you cannot come to an agreement with an agent and the player. So a year or two goes by, and they go to the market, and they leave you. Uh, so when you have a team in place and it's locked up in place, then that's what we call a window of opportunity. We must figure out something to be able to get in postseason play. And you know, Brian, you have to work hard to even get there to begin with. Right. But, but when you are there is what you want to do. That means the opportunity is there for you to win a world championship. Now, what can we do when we get there to make this thing happen? And it's, you know, it's really, really hard and that's what the focus is on our football team. We've made some changes. We think they're positive ones and good ones to help us uh, in the future. 
AJ, I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting here talking to you. I've said this many times on our show. You would definitely get my vote for Executive of the Year in the NFL. And one of the reasons I say that is because you're not afraid to make bold decisions. For example, you drafted Eli Manning, then you traded his rights for Philip Rivers, Sean Merriman, and other players. You let Drew Brees become a free agent. You took Philip Rivers. He had a great year last year. Antonio Gates, he was in a holdout, but you ultimately got him signed. And you did fire Marty Schottenheimer, even though he won 14 games last year. Again, one of the things I admire about you, AJ, is it seems like so many executives in sports these days are more worried about saving their own jobs, and they're afraid to make bold moves. You make bold moves, and I like that. Talk about that for a minute. Well, Brian, I appreciate that, but but I do really agree with what you're saying. Uh, I believe that you do the very best that you can. Uh, We all have a plan in this league. There are 32 teams, and everyone has a plan, but only two teams go to the Super Bowl and one's going to win it, and the rest of us try to figure it out. But, but a key thing that I try to remind myself of daily is you cannot be afraid to fail. You, you must be aggressive, not recklessly aggressive, but be very, very aggressive and believe in, in what you, your plan is. And I think we do that around here. It's all about trying to win a championship and just go for it. If it's right out in front of you, you know, passive and cautious and, and try not to lose, I think you're going to fail. Uh, go out there and be aggressive and get after this thing. If you're going to go for it, go for it your way. So if you wake up in the morning and things don't work out, I'd rather look in the mirror and say, you know what, we've tried everything we possibly could to try to win a championship. I love that attitude. Hey, tell me about your close friend and longtime associate, former Chargers GM John Butler. He died of cancer in 2003. I know he was an integral part of your life and your career. What lessons did you learn from him? Well, John and I were really, really close, and and really I kind of worked more with him than for him, and I think that was part of our special relationship. We were just a couple of young scouts back in the early 80s. And and one thing with with John that, that I always remember is work ethic. Uh, was tremendous. And sometimes when I'm dragging my tail a little bit or don't want to get on a plane or go see somebody or fly cross country, I always think about what John was just endless and tireless in everything that he would do. Uh, And I think about him a lot in 20, 22 years of close friendship. uh, uh, He knew players. Uh, We had a plan together. We came here from the Buffalo Bills, going to build this thing brick by brick. Uh, he's not around right now, but 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 hopefully uh, I can carry on a lot of his thought process too. Yeah, you guys really turned things around there. My guest is AJ Smith, the executive vice president and general manager of the San Diego Chargers. North Turner, he's your new head coach. Brilliant offensive mind. Obviously, your team has several offensive weapons, including league MVP Ladanian Tomlinson. What qualities does North Turner possess that made him your choice as the head coach of the San Diego Chargers? Well, I think he's an outstanding football mind. There's no question about that. I've studied him before, and when I was with the Buffalo Bills, director of pro scouting. I'm familiar with his work in Dallas. As we know, that we went up against their football teams twice in the Super Bowl, lost them both. Jimmy Johnson was the head coach, obviously a great decision maker, and uh, I think a gambler to some uh, point, and I respected that going after a championship. But he had full faith in North Turner to run that offense, and it was unbelievable how he identified the talent and got the ball into their hands. I know that he was not successful in Washington and Oakland. People have pointed that out to me many, many times, Brian. But my answer to that was I'm very familiar with where he's been, uh, but he's not worked with the San Diego Chargers, and he has not worked with me. 
on a day-to-day basis. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to rolling up our sleeves and getting after this thing together. Uh, postseason, very important if we're fortunate enough to go there, and I hope we do in years to come. It always comes down to decision-making four or five times a game, critical decisions, game management that push you over the top. I have all the faith in the world that he is going to be capable of doing that and also recognizing players. He's an outstanding evaluator of talent. He recognizes players and how to put the ball consistently into your playmaker's hands. Never lose sight of that no matter how things are going if they're going poorly. So I'm excited about it obviously and uh, we're going to get after this thing together and try to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a very high compliment to pay, but when I look at the Chargers' offense now, it reminds me a lot of the Cowboys' offense that North Turner ran for those successful years uh, there in Dallas in the 90s. Uh, do you see some similarities as well? Yes, I do see some similarities. There were some great football players that they got there over time, and it was put he was put in charge of that and recognized talent. But also, North Turner was here in 2001, I had a chance to work with him daily, uh, talked football all the time. I was assistant general manager at that time, obviously a different capacity. He was not a head coach. He was offensive coordinator. We do have a working relationship. This offense for the Chargers was installed by him. So continuity was very, very important to me, as well as trying to find somebody that I could trust to roll up my sleeves and get after this thing. And I'm very comfortable with him, and I look forward to the challenge for both of us. My guest is A.J. Smith. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the San Diego Chargers. A.J., one of my favorite athletes right now is LaDainian Tomlinson, and we all know what he can do on the field, but I'm more impressed with what he does off the field. Talk about LaDainian Tomlinson, the person, for a moment, if you would. Well, Brian, he's absolutely a great, great person. Uh, What he does in the community and what he's a great team member also. Uh, He just goes about his business each and every day, a really true professional. Obviously, we know he's a great player, and and we thought that also. But to be honest with you, we we didn't know he was going to be a Hall of Famer while he was playing. And he literally is a Hall of Famer right now playing for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, but he's just always upbeat uh, when things have not been going well. Just a few years ago, he was always out front leading, uh, and we know what a great player he is, but he's such well-rounded, has tremendous respect. Uh, and, and as you know now, Brian, it's starting to go around the country with his respect. It first started with us, and then after he starts playing all these years and the kind of man that he is, it's it's a pleasure to be around him. Yeah, it's well-deserved. I mean, anytime you're kind of hidden there in Southern California, you're not on the East Coast. Sometimes the East Coast media doesn't pick it up, but it's definitely nice to see him getting his due. Tell me about Alex Spanos. He seems like he's just one of the most dedicated owners in sports. I know how badly he wants to win a Super Bowl. Tell me about Alex, if you would. Well, it's Alex and his son, Dean Spanos, both together. Uh, no question they're committed to winning here in San Diego. And uh, Alex just uh, last year handed full control over to Dean. Uh, Alex is kind of retired right now. He does come to the games and and sits next to me and and has opinions, believe me, very strongly. (laughs) Uh, But he stepped back a little bit, and Dean is the one now running the day-to-day operation. And they don't get enough credit. When When you think about the commitment that he has here and the amount of contracts that we've done in the last few years, early contracts for some of our players, to keep this window of opportunity open. I think we're 30 uh, or 29 to 30 contracts. That's a lot of money to put into players. So obviously he believes in the plan here. 
obviously he is dedicated to the San Diego Chargers winning. You know, I want to ask you a few questions about the NFL before I let you go. Um, boy, signing bonuses have just gotten enormous in the last year or so. Is that a concern at all? I know one of the things that makes the NFL so great is that there's not the guaranteed contract. You've got the signing bonus that is guaranteed. Are we moving away from, uh, I don't know, it just seems alarming, like an alarming trend to me. Well, Brian, it is alarming in a way that all of the money and guaranteed money is going to the young kids right out of college that have never played in the National Football League. Uh, it's been discussed over the years if some of the money could be less and maybe more given to proven veterans. Uh, we haven't made very much headway on that. Uh, it is the way it is. It is the business, and it's equal for all 32 teams, so we deal with it. You know, I'm the, the guy that believes in just show me the rules. You know, I may not like them. I might make a call. I might write a letter trying to change the rules or participate in that. But rules are rules, and if it's the same for everyone, then then that's all I really care about, and we'll follow them as Chargers. Yeah, you know, I think one of the best things about the NFL is parity. I mean, in the 70s, we saw the Steelers. In the 80s, we saw the Niners. In the 90s, we saw the Cowboys. We've obviously seen the Patriots. Do you think the day and age of a dominant team uh, just kind of winning two or three Super Bowls uh, is done? Boy, I, I don't know. I thought it's, it's really hard to begin with, but that's why I admire the New England Patriots so much, right. even though it's so difficult. Yet they've won three world championships, and last year, Brian, as you know, they're in the AFC Championship again, ahead 21-3. to Of course, they lose to the Colts. They're almost going back to another Super Bowl. Uh, but But what's important, I think, is to try to be a playoff-caliber team each and every year. That is a goal that we have here for our football team, uh, to just keep banging away and banging away, such as the Colts. I mentioned the Colts because they were always in postseason play, a very, very good football team, but they couldn't get over the hump. The people said their defense wasn't very good. Uh, Peyton Manning wasn't very good. He really wasn't a winner at Tennessee. They can't get by New England. Tom Brady's better. You know, all those things are said, but they were always there each and every year, and last year was a magical year for them. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, case in point, a couple of years ago won a world championship, Brian, but for years, always in the playoffs. A matter of fact, I think five AFC championship games, losing them away, losing them at home, can't get over the hump. They won a world championship. My point is they were always there in postseason play, always banging around with a good football team. Our goal here in San Diego is to establish a playoff team and be banging around and banging around, and maybe something special can happen. We haven't got out of the gate. We've had our opportunities, Brian, as you know, in the last three years. Uh, we've been in two at home, lost them both, just can't get out of the gate. We have to figure out what can we do here to get over the hump, and uh, we're trying to figure that out, and we're going to have a new coach and a new direction with a new staff and new ideas add more players, and hopefully win enough games to get in the tournament so we can get after this thing at the end of 07. That's our dream anyway. Well, AJ, I really appreciate you making the time for me this week. Uh, guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's the steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Again, AJ, big fan of yours. I'm rooting for the Chargers this year, and I uh, hope you guys get it done. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks, Brian. I'm sure we'll talk again. Yes, we will. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James' highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office, saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Don't you just love that San Diego Superchargers theme song? I swear it's my favorite theme song in all of sports. A few ending notes for this week's show. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to have a new number next year after he switches from DEI to Hendrick Motorsports. DEI and Hendrick couldn't come to terms on the number eight this week. I think it's going to be a marketing bonanza, a fire sale on number eight, and then a lot of people are going to buy stuff with his new number. The new number is probably going to be number 81. Also, actor James Gandolfini, better known as Tony Soprano, is going to play former Nike, Adidas, and Reebok exec Sonny Vaccaro in HBO's ABCD camp. Keep your eyes on that. A lot of thank yous for this week's show. A.J. Smith, the executive vice president and GM of the San Diego Chargers. Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and ProTrade.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a terrific week. We'll talk to you next weekend. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.